We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which Deepherd operates. Welcome back to the Grains Combo Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia. I'm Cindy Webster. And I'm Jeanette Pratt, and we are research scientists based in regional WA. These episodes shine a spotlight on the knowledge and tools developed by Deeper to grow the grains industry. We really had two main themes, I suppose, in the canola space that we were looking at. These revolved around, firstly, what's the optimal nutrition to achieve high yields? And so we're really talking aspirational yield targets of around five tonnes per hectare in canola. And that's well above what almost all growers in Western Australia are achieving. And we also looked at canopy management of canola as we start to get to some of these bigger crops. In today's episode, I am sitting down with two deep head research scientists, Jeremy Curry and Jean Galloway, to chat about canola specifically nutrition management and disease modelling. Welcome to the Grains Convoy podcast, Jean and Jeremy. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, thanks, Cindy, for having us. And so I'd just like to introduce you both to our audience. Jeremy, let's start with you. Would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Deep Herd? Yeah, so I'm a research scientist based in Esperance, and I guess I work across agronomy projects of wheat, barley, and canola. And currently, I still work a lot on pre-harvest sprouting in wheat and other aspects of management of wheat and barley. But more recently, I've started working in the canola space, particularly in the high rainfall zone. And Jean, welcome back to the podcast. We have interviewed you before on our previous modelling project. But Jean, for those that might not have heard that podcast, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do at DeepHerd? Sure, Cindy. Jean Galloway, I'm a senior research scientist at DeepHerd. I've been here about well, 24 years now. I'm the national leader of, a, of the disease modelling project, and that's a role I've been doing for the last seven years. We produce lots of decision support tools, but we also do a lot of epidemiology, which is actually my speciality. Thank you both. And now that we know a bit about you, let's dive into today's podcast. So we are starting our podcast today talking to Jeremy about optimising nutrition for higher rainfall zone canola. And Jeremy, you've had a big week. You've presented at the Perth GRDC Research Updates. And while there, you were presented with the GRDC 2023 Emerging Leader Award. Congratulations on winning that award. Um, How did you feel on the day getting presented? Oh, thanks, Cindy. Oh, very honoured, I guess, is the word that springs to mind. I said on the day, but, you know, there's so many great researchers, industry personnel and growers around um, doing awesome work. So I suppose to be singled out, yeah, I was very proud. And thanks to GRDC for the award. Fantastic. And delving into your recent research, you have been working on a project titled Optimising High Rainfall Zone Cropping for Profit in the Western and Southern Regions. Can you give us a bit of background about this project? Yeah, so this project's a GRDC investment. Uh, It started or came together in 2018 and commenced in 2019. On the back of reports that have been written in the high rainfall zone or about the high rainfall zone and our water use efficiency, I guess. We know in the high rainfall zone, as the name implies, that water tends to be not always our limiting factor. And when we do get our rainier seasons, we're not always able to make the most of that rainfall. And so it was really around, came about to investigate what we could do to make sure that we better use that water. And instead of it being excessive, you know, really make sure we utilise it. I see. And how is the high rainfall zone different from the medium and the low rainfall zones in WA? Yeah, so the key definition of the high rainfall zone is the 450 millimetres plus of average annual rainfall. 
And the key differences, I suppose, is that you know most most of our cropping systems in WA we are water limited, and it's really water that's our key driver of yield potential. Uh, whereas in the high rainfall zone, in our wet seasons, we actually find that water to be a negative in some cases if we start to experience things like waterlogging. And our crops aren't able to utilise that as efficiently. So really the project, as I mentioned, was about how can we make sure we're utilising that water as best we can. And particularly in light of you know some of the farming system improvements that we've had over recent years with things like deep ripping becoming quite commonplace and growers seeding early with really good cultivars, how can we best manage those farming systems? I should point out the project is led by Deepherd, but we've got really great collaborators in Fire Australia and CSIRO on the project as well. And so the project has been finished, but would you like to talk us through what trials and research was conducted during this project? Yeah, so we we really had two main themes, I suppose, in the canola space that we were looking at. And these came out of what growers and consultants had informed us at workshops we ran were some of the key issues. And these revolved around, firstly, what's the optimal nutrition to achieve high yields? And so we're really talking, you know, aspirational yield targets of around five tonnes per hectare in canola. And that's well above what you know, almost all growers in Western Australia are achieving. So if we are going to start pushing our yield potential, say, above three tonnes up to five tonnes, what nutrition do we need to maximise that yield and do it in a profitable way? And we also looked at the canopy management of canola as we start to get to some of these bigger crops. But the main crux of the trials that we ran was nutrition and looking at our macronutrients of nitrogen by interacting with phosphorus, potassium and sulphur. And what were your major findings from these trials? Yeah, so we ran four sites over three years and we're in charge of the Esperance support zone. And I suppose each year was quite different in terms of what the major findings were, but we actually found some pretty key findings in the nitrogen, uh, phosphorus and sulphur space. So for nitrogen, I suppose the key thing, just to summarise quickly, was that across the four years, often applying around 150 kilos of nitrogen was quite a profitable mark for growers to aim for. It, it got ourselves on top of the yield curve in terms of our response to nitrogen. But as we pushed above 100 kilos of ni- 150 kilos of nitrogen, sorry, we started to be much more susceptible to costs in terms of our fertiliser price to grain ratios. So around 150 units, which a lot of growers in the high rainfall zone are probably playing around that mark, seemed to be a pretty good mark for nitrogen. We also had some pretty key findings in sulphur and phosphorus. For sulphur, I suppose, in a very wet year, we saw an absolutely huge response of up to a tonne per hectare from neglecting sulphur. So just a reminder in the high rainfall zone with our leaching sandy soils in Esperance that I'm not to neglect sulphur. And we also looked at the interaction between our phosphorus supply from the soil and what we needed to apply with fertiliser and whether we could predict it from our soil test responses. These sound like some really exciting findings. What recommendations do you have for growers and consultants in the high rainfall zone for managing the nutrition in canola crops this season? Yeah, I think the key thing really is um, starting with soil testing. Although it's not always 100% accurate, it definitely gives you a good idea of what are most likely going to be your critical and limiting factors in terms of nutrition. And so, you know, based on our soil test results in our trials we ran, we always knew that uh, sulphur and phosphorus were really on that marginal edge And so our soil is probably not going to be our supply as much as we need. And so that's where our fertiliser applications really come in. For us on our Esperance Sandplain Duplex soils, our potassium actually wasn't limiting in any season. That was predicted by soil test responses, soil test results, sorry, and also our uh, responses to fertiliser. So I think if we start with soil testing and look at really where our best bang for our buck is going to be, that's a really great start. And then I suppose the other one is just really looking at the, I suppose, our whole package and you know, just throwing nitrogen on and neglecting some of our other macronutrients, you know, it really became a waste of money. Whereas when we had everything tied in together nicely, we made sure the crop had enough phosphorus, sulfur wasn't going to be limiting if it got too wet, 
then that's where we saw our really good responses to nitrogen. So if you are looking at spending a lot of money, say, and pushing your yield further with nitrogen, you know, it's important not to neglect the other macronutrients. Excellent. Thanks very much for that, Jeremy. And staying in the canola space, but we are now going to move into disease, which is another very important topic. Uh, Jean, let's talk about sclerotinia stem rot. It is a major disease for WA canola crops. Would you like to give us a bit of background about how it impacts our canola? Yeah, sure, Cindy. Sclerotinia stem rot is a disease that affects the main stem of canola, which gives it the name sclerotinia stem rot. And when you get the main stem of canola infected, it actually can cause yield losses. Often with sclerotinia, you can find the outer branches are infected. That doesn't really lead to yield loss. So we're looking at the main stem infection as being the main driver of yield loss. And what we find with sclerotinia is that it's not across all years and all seasons that we get yield loss to this disease. So it is quite sporadic. So it depends on your location and how much rain you've got in that season that causes whether you well, will result in whether you actually get a yield loss from this disease or not. And I believe that this disease is very clever at hanging around between seasons. Did you want to briefly mention some interesting findings you had recently with the sclerotia? Yeah, sure. Um, for a pathologist, it's like really interesting. For the growers, it's probably not such good news. But we've been doing some long-term research, which has shown that on the soil surface in WA, that the sclerotia, which are the survival structures of sclerotinia, actually can survive for at least six years. So that's six seasons, and they are still producing the little mushrooms, the apothecia, and infecting crops. This has got obviously major implications for rotation. And the real message here is that you have risk in your paddocks, irrespective of when you've last grown canola or lupins, because it's the same species, in the last six years. No wonder it's such a persistent disease, but fortunately there is an app available to help growers manage sclerotinia. Would you like to tell us a bit about this app? Yeah, sure. This app is called Sclerotinia CM. It was developed with GRDC and DPIRD funding in one of our disease modelling projects. The tool is really there to help people make decisions about whether they should or shouldn't be spraying to control or manage sclerotinia stem rot. So as I've mentioned, it's a disease where not every season will you get a yield loss. And also the problem is that you have to spray for this disease before you can see it. So having to spray at 30% bloom or around about that time to manage a disease that you don't know if you're going to get or not. So we produced the tool to actually have a prediction about whether it's a good season and your likelihood of producing sclerotinia stem rot and then the tool will actually give you a return on investment, whether you think it's worth spraying or not in your season, your location. And some users of this app may be wondering, well, is it correct? Does it work? Um, I believe you've been carrying out some on-farm validation trials on this app. How did it perform? What were your findings? Yes, indeed. Uh, we probably asked ourselves that same, very same question. <laughs> Does it work? So we've had 10 trials over three seasons uh, testing it in on-farm situations. We ended up with a range of seasons. So we've had seasons that have been everything from a really dry season, a DSL 1 and 2 in some areas, through to last year, which was an extremely wet season around Northern. So we had a DSL 10 season here. So yeah, tested it under a lot of circumstances. What we found is in all circumstances, the tool was accurate. So where it was a dry season, the tool very clearly told people that you would not be getting sclerotinia stem rot and definitely not worth using. In the wet season last year, the tool was very clear that we would get sclerotinia stem rot developing at these sites. 
And in fact, in my trials, I had one third of the crop taken out by Sclerotinia stem rot main infection. So that was fairly impactful on the yield at that site. And the tool got it right. So I have confidence in the tool now, and I hope other people do as well. That's excellent. And there are other diseases just to keep everyone on their toes. Let's chat about another big one, uh, blackleg. How does blackleg affect our canola crops? Well, blackleg is actually the the leading cause of yield loss in canola. So it's the one we have to pay the most attention to. It's a stubble-borne disease, so we have to pay attention to rotations, how far we are away from one- and two-year-old stubbles. So to try and minimise the losses from this disease, we do need to pay attention to agronomic management as well as other factors. And I believe you have put out two uh, disease modelling tools to manage blackleg at different phases that affect the plant. Would you like to talk to us about the blackleg CM tool first? Yeah, sure. So the first tool that we put out was blackleg CM. This tool is designed for management of crown canker phase of the disease. So as you mentioned, Cindy, there's different phases of the disease. The fungus lives on the stubble and the spores are released off stubble depending on autumn and winter rainfall and temperature. And depending on when the spores are released, it can either land on a vegetative crop, which is at its early stages, and this will cause crown canker, or it can land on the sort of reproductive part of the plant, and this will cause upper canopy infection. It's the same pathogen, same disease, just affecting different parts of the plant. So Sclerotinia CM was the first tool that we developed, and it's aimed at the crown canker stage, which is formed when the spores land on the early vegetative part of the plant. This is actually the most yield-limiting part phase of this disease or form of the disease, and so this tool was aimed at deciding whether we should be applying foliar fungicide sprays to canola at that four to six leaf stage to manage that disease. Thank you. And the second modelling tool you created was the Upper Canopy Infection Blackleg CM app. Would you like to tell us a bit more about that app as well and how it works? Sure. So last year we released the new tool, which is UCI Blackleg CM, and it's designed specifically for managing the upper canopy, which is when you get spores landing on the the reproductive parts of the plant. This upper canopy is becoming more common because we've shifted to earlier sowing and germinating canola. So this just means that instead of the crop emerging later and only catching the spores in the vegetative stage, the earlier sown canola is now flowering right smack bang in the spore release window and is now becoming infected. So this became a need for us to have a second tool to manage this form of the disease. So it is a new tool. Uh, We released it as say mid last year. It's built using all the available knowledge that we have. Steve Marcroft spent a lot of time with us making sure that he was happy with the tool. It's work that's actually go ongoing. So the research into upper canopy infection is ongoing. So the tool itself is is fluid. It has to be. We will be updating it as and when new information comes in. And as soon as we have new knowledge on something, we will be updating the tool to capture that information and make it as accurate as we can. As you have mentioned, Jean, that this is a new tool, the UCI Blackleg CM app, being released in 2022. But I believe that you have also been doing a bit of validation testing on this tool. And what have been your findings from this testing? Well, Cindy, what we did is rather than, I did actually set up a trial to validate it and I got sclerotinia and not UCI. So it ended up as a sclerotinia trial. That's that's research for you. It was a really good sclerotinia trial. <laughs> 
but the other main thing that we did to get more information and to see how the tool was going is that we actually did monitoring of 21 canola crops across uh, Meriden, Northam, Esperance and Albany. We had about 13 different varieties and we, we monitored a whole lot of things from when did they flower, when did we see upper canopy infection, Were they on the, was the upper canopy on the flowers, the stems, the pods, was there, you know, yield limiting UCI at those sites. So we, we got an extensive data set, which indicated that on all varieties, irrespective of their resistance level, so even the R-rated varieties in those monitoring sites did develop UCI in WA last year. And at our monitoring sites, we did not see severe UCI. We didn't think that there was going to be yield losses associated with it at the sites we monitored. However, we have actually had some information from growers now who showed me some pictures that showed severe upper canopy infection in some of their crops last year in WA. I know it's interesting, these field trials when disease um, does not play ball with what you want them to do. But we'll be doing um, further testing on this app. Can we um, watch this space to see what other findings that you will get? Yes, we will be this year. So we're planning on doing some time of sowing trials so that we've got early sown and later sown crops and to monitor spore release off the stubble and sort of try and correlate that with the disease we're seeing and the management of the disease. Thank you both very much, Jeremy and Jean, for participating in this podcast and talking about nutrition and disease in canola. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks, Cindy. And yeah, given our project's coming to an end this year, if anyone wants any more information on the results of the trials we've run, they can feel free to get in contact and we'd be happy to share them. More information on this topic can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode, you can download and subscribe to Grains Convo on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back on the 1st and 15th of every month with a new episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.